As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful, Herbal Face Food, for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Together, we'll explore and enjoy content and conversations around mastering transitions. In our relations, our wellness, our careers, our families, and especially in our missions and visions. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I am here today with dear longtime friend, huge inspiration to me, and really one of the vanguard of 
women in my life and this time in our lives who have changed the way we see ourselves, our potential, how we see our relationship to money, professional life, and family life. Kate Northrup, it is such an honor to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to be here. First book, Money, A Love Story, changed my life. I know it has done so for so many people. The The distinction between overgiving and undergiving, the just getting me into power around my money, identifying energy leaks, um, looking at my numbers, fun and pleasurable. <laughs> uh, all the things that you went through to rewrite your money story have made a massive impact over here in our household. So I will just never stop thanking you for all of that. Well, it's just, I mean, that brings me just like it warms my heart so much to know, you know, because I wrote that book a long time ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's like what's a different amazing. lifetime. And, uh, and I do hear from people regularly how impactful it is. And I know that you hear from people all the time about your work. It's like, I don't know about you, but that's why I do what I do. It's just, sure. it's that. And so I'm just so grateful. Yeah. No, my whole family, <laughs> we always thank you. Oh, <laughs> I, it's uh, no, I'm serious. All the books get thrown away, but this one still on the shelf with mm -hmm. all my tabs. Um, your most recent book though, however, is what I really want to talk about because it's going, it's also lighting me up the do less, um, experiments have changed my life. And I would love for you to talk a little bit with my listener about Do Less and how it came about, what exactly happened and uh, where we're going. Great. So, you know, the thread is the same. The thread is about value. It was so funny. Somebody was introduced, uh, interviewing me and they were like, oh, so you really write about self-value and worth because both of your books are about that. And I was like, you really get me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. The first one was about money and this one is about time, but it's the same conversation, um, which is the way we interact with, with um, uh, commodities, the way we right. interact with commodities in our lives um, and, and the way we make them a reflection of our value. And so the do less came from my first pregnancy literal pregnancy. Um, I was just so tired. I I've never been so tired in my life. And I have never, I had never had a physical experience that I couldn't push through. Right. And no matter what I did, I was just still exhausted. And so I cut my work hours about in half really by accident. It wasn't like a conscious decision. I just literally couldn't work any, any nearly as much anymore. And then when our daughter came, um, I struggled with postpartum anxiety, postpartum insomnia. Um, I, our, our daughter was sick. She barely slept the first year. She didn't sleep through the night until she was 20 months old. Um, and we only had about 10 hours of childcare a week. And yet my husband and I, we worked for ourselves. So we didn't have, you know, and there is no official paid family leave in the United States. And so we had no financial backup plan other than to make our own money the same amount that we always had, but working way less. And we sat down a year after Penelope, our first daughter was born, and we realized we had made the same amount working like less than twice, less than half as much. And we realized, well, that's crazy. <laughs> Like, that is crazy. If, if we could do that by accident, what if we did that on purpose? So that's right. basically what we did. And then it turns out there's some really good data and it turns out there's some proven practices and we're not so special. So I just figured, well, I'll just write a book about it because other people need this information. And we are all adhering to this arbitrary four hour work week where the average American actually works 47 hours a week. It's not based on data. It was created it during the industrial revolution um, based on how machinery works, not human beings. Um, and we need to work in a new way. I actually really appreciated in the book, the historical referencing and all the information that you gave us regarding that very matter, the industrial revolution, how things have come to pass, that this is the standard to which we have kept as a working quote unquote society for all this time. The, the subtitle of the book, though, do less, 14 experiments for mothers and nurturers of all kinds to have more energy, get more done, 
and finally feel like you're enough. You know what? I love that subtitle. That's not the subtitle that ended up on the published book. And I like the one you just read more. <laughs> no way. That's what I have in my galley copy. That's amazing. So the subtitle that actually ended up on the printed book is <laughs> a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for busy moms. But I really like the one you just read me better. So I'm going to go back. I actually am in conversation with my publisher about changing the subtitle. It's like side track. So thanks, Elena. We are cute. You know, it's funny. I hang on. I, I don't hang on to anything. I'm really like Marie Kondo addict yeah. over here. And I hung on to this galley, Aww. not because of our podcast. Like it, I, it was before we had even scheduled our podcast that I decided it was staying with me, but because it's so full of wisdom, dude, it's really good. Like the actual physical reality of changing the narrative around how much I have to work was critical for me. And it came just as my business was going to another entirely different stratosphere. And I learned how to sort of do what you said, which is honor my very cyclical, nonlinear nature and respect my body a little more. Yeah. And I have done so. So thank you I'm for that. So happy um, that. It's really a big deal. And so the 14 experiments, did they end up staying in the final? Yeah. Copy? Oh, yeah. They're in there. Cool. The whole book cool. is the same. It's just the subtitle is different. Okay, copy. I love it. That's the one thing I pulled out. <laughs> You know, but this is such a great example of the cyclical nature of 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 work, of creativity, yeah. because here we are. I don't know, even remember when I sent you that galley. Oh, my God, months. But, but right, months and months and months ago, the book has now been out for a couple of months and we're circling back. And I yeah. think that it's the it's the illusion that life is linear that keeps mm. us thinking that we're failures. I am not having a shame spiral right now, just to be clear about the subtitle and the fact that a, a subtitle that I don't really love that much got printed on my book. It just is what it is. And I understand that I can circle back and like anything is editable and and that's just the nature of things. And that's um, that's really part of what Do Less is all about. This that, that we can release ourselves from the false notion that progress always looks like forward because sometimes right. it doesn't. Right. It's funny. I, I actually was just noting all of the underlines and things that I did way, way, way back when you first sent it. And one of the first things, and I wrote in the margin, welcoming the interval, the not sure, the liminal space and becoming a new system. Like that blew my mind. <laughs> becoming a new system. Your words were because the only way to create a new system is to be it. Yeah. So good. So you found as you honored your body that hilariously, nothing actually fell apart. You and Mike, just took it down, started to listen a little more, stopped feeling like you had to be all things to all people. When mm, the listener is listening to this and thinking, yeah, how <laughs> am I supposed to do that, please? Um, can you point to some of the things, the concrete day-to-day -day things that you sort of changed? Yeah. So one of the biggest ones, and I honestly think like if you didn't do anything else, just if you did this, it would make the world of difference because um, I am all about the the one thing that'll give us the biggest bang for our buck. Um, and that is, and I know that I did this by accident during that pregnancy and during that first year of motherhood. And by the way, of course, like life, life throws us so many opportunities to practice what we preach. Last year, my husband got incredibly ill and was out of commission for a long time. He's he's good now, um, but it was after the book had been turned in. Um, so there's no stories about this in the book, but it was just like such an opportunity to realize, oh, okay, now I'm a, I'm, I'm right now, I'm parenting by myself, two small children, you know, an infant, a toddler, I'm running our, our seven figure business. I'm like, okay, here we go. I, my partner is not available. And what happened during those, during that time, and also the pregnancy in that first year of motherhood was that, I instantly knew what the 20% was that would give me 80% of the results. And I let go of everything else because I had zero bandwidth to give a shit anymore. Right, right. And the brain actually changes. So there's an interesting study that came out 
that our brain, and I do, I think this is true probably of people who are not mothers as well, but the the data was on mothers, that during pregnancy and then for the two years after, the gray matter in our brain um, in the area called theory of mind, which is essentially our ability to care whether somebody else has a different thought or feeling than we do, the prayer matter in that area shrinks. So to me, that just means like motherhood makes us not give a shit that somebody else doesn't like what we're doing. And it's such a gift. Right. Priorities. Priorities. Instant in our brain, in our brain. It's so cool. So that's yeah. what I recommend is, yeah. and I give this exercise in the book, but I'll walk through it super quick. I got a piece of paper mm. on the left-hand side of the paper. You write down the tasks that occupy your time during your work day. And I think you can do this for your personal life too, but it's a little, it's a little more direct with your, with your business or with your career life. So the tasks that you do, checking emails, going to networking events, doing presentations, you know, being on social media, whatever. Then on the right-hand side of the piece of paper, you write out your biggest career wins to date. They could be that time you signed up your biggest leader in your company. It could be a book deal. It could be landing your first uh, workshop gig, um, whatever. And then you draw a line from the big win on the right to the task that was directly related, the most directly related to that win. And you will instantly have a list of your 20%. And then just try to work out of doing the rest of those things or see if you can minimize them. Obviously we're never going to, you know, there's plenty of things I do during the day that aren't part of my 20%, but, but I at least try to front load the day during my best hours, which are the morning for me from about 8am to 12pm. I front load and I pay myself Mm. first with my best hours of the day with my 20%, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. So does that look like, like for me in those first few hours, once my practices are done is processing email and writing content for Mm -hmm. whatever course I'm working on for anything I'm about to promote. Uh, Even my next book, I'm going to do one for practice Mm. you, but for teens, all that stuff gets done early, early so that later in the day, there's little things here and there that will, come up, but there's no real brain power needed for them. Yeah, I think you have it right for you. I mean, for me, um, processing emails is not part of my 20%. So for me, it's creating content. Mm. So same as you and connecting with people. Now, I don't, I still, I will be honest. I try to not schedule meetings before 12 p.m. So it's really, I front load the day with content creation. Um, Because I'm an extrovert, connecting with people always energizes me. So I could do it at 1 a.m. and still be pretty much on my game. (laughs) But that's just me. I know that about myself. If I was more introverted, I I would do my connecting, like interviews or meetings earlier in the day as my energy was the highest. That makes sense. We have to, you know, we have to, I call this self-sourced scheduling. We, we source our schedule from within as opposed to the societal expectations from without. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that's true for most, most of the folks who are going to be listening to this. You know, if you're listening, you probably have your own business you, or you want it <laughs> or you want one. And um, you will then, as a result of having your own business, have both the virtue and the peril of being able to create your own day. And this is something to think about. Um, What you have me thinking about, if this is of use to anyone listening, is that the early morning hours when I'm processing email, those are also times when I do contact people and sometimes even talk to folks, uh, especially across the pond in Europe, so that team over there. And it's nice to hear you say that because that is a time when I love to do that. And people are like, oh, are you, are you sure it's not too early? And I'm like, I don't know, this is the yeah. best time. So that helps me to sort of calibrate and refocus a little. So thank you for that personally. Um, worth cycles and momentum. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned in your research about the cyclical nature of things? Yes. So what I learned which is like, by the way, what I'm about to say, you're going to know this in your body listening in, but it had never been articulated to me before. What I learned is that men's 
men's hormones cycle every 24 hours, women's hormones cycle every 28 days. You know, we kind of knew that, but like the whole world is set up for a 24 hour experience of the day based on how a man operates. I mean, that is the definition of patriarchy is that, is that male is assumed. Um, but I just hadn't realized like the profound degree to which the world is not set up for being a woman. And so when I started to look at that, I started to realize, oh, that's why I've tried every time management system under the sun and none of them felt right because they were all set up for a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and as women, we have these now men have four different energetic phases throughout the day based on their hormonal experience. Um, and they're based they're They're the same four energetic phases as the four seasons. And women have these four energetic phases over the course of a 28 day period. They are also the same uh, four phases of the lunar cycle. So it's the lunar cycle, the menstrual cycle, the four seasons, and even throughout the day, the morning, the midday, the afternoon, and the evening, like those are these four energetic phases that kind of line up with, with the seasons as well. And when I started to look at this, I started to realize everything in the world has these same four energetic phases, like even pregnancy, the four trimesters, the first, second, third, fourth trimester line up with one of the energies of the season. So the first trimester being more of that wintertime energy where it looks like nothing is happening, but a lot is happening. The second trimester being a springtime energy where you you do have the most energy and third trimester being like that full bloom energy where your baby, you know, your belly is the biggest, you're like at full term. And then the fourth trimester being that autumn energy where you're turning within and you're really cocooning with you and your babe and you are wrapping up the gestation period, that, that completion energy. Um, and I don't know how much you want me to get into Elena. Like I can, you know, I can go deep on this. I can keep it light, whatever you think would be helpful. I I am looking at that page right now in the book. So we go from fertile void, the winter to emergence, the spring to visibility, the big full belly and culmination, the, the harvest, the autumn. And I, I think it's worth it actually to let everybody in on exactly how this works. Great. So basically, you know, in a woman's uh, menstrual cycle, if you are cycling, the week you have your period is like that wintertime energy. Um, it's a time for rest and reflection. It is a time where your brain is the most um, intersectional, meaning your left and, hemis- and right hemispheres are the most connected, and you will have access to your greatest, deepest wisdom. So it's a really good time to tap in to your insight and your intuition and your instinct. Then, um, and by the way, if you're not cycling, new moon energy is that very same energy. Um, so that, you know, cause women have all kinds of reasons that we don't have a cycle, whether you've had a hysterectomy, whether you're pregnant, whether you have amenorrhea, whether you are postmenopausal. So I just want to say anyone listening, like you get to, you get to play. We all get to play. Um, the next phase would be the follicular phase after you have your period or the waxing moon. This is the springtime energy during the month. And this is when you are the most wanting to start things, to brainstorm, to plan, to initiate. It's a more outward energy. And then you have the next phase, which is the ovulation, same energy as the full moon. It's the summertime of your month. And it's the time when you are literally and metaphorically the most fertile, the most open and receptive. So this is a really great time to be prospecting for if you're, you know, if you are in a network marketing business, this is a really great time. You know, uh, during my book launch, when I was really in it, I was noticing during ovulation, I really wanted to be connecting with people and be pitching. Like I was pitching and it felt great during this time. Your your pheromones are the strongest during this time. And uh, waitresses report getting their highest tips during ovulation. Really, yeah, really interesting. No way. Really interesting. So there's a whole biological no piece uh, with the energetic piece, of course, because they go together. And then the next phase of your month is your autumn phase, which is also the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle. 
And it's also the same energy as the waning moon. And this is the time for wrapping things up, turning within, completion. I have a woman who I work with, Darcy, who um, she makes a luteal list. So during the whole month when she finds these like ticky tacky things she has to do, like little detail work, um, whether it's bookkeeping or, you know, updating spreadsheets or whatever, she makes a luteal list. And then during her luteal phase, when she knows her brain is wired for detail orientation, she gets it all done in a way quicker time. So the idea here is to track your own cyclical experience of of your month, whether in concert with your menstrual cycle or in concert with the moon or both, and notice how brilliantly predictable you are in a four-phase way so that you can begin to honor how you actually feel and to some degree organize your time so that you can honor how your body actually feels. And when you do that, you get to benefit from the gifts of each four of those phases And you're not trying to, uh, you know, paddle your canoe upstream all the time, essentially. Which I think we have all done to some extent. This is very good. You know, these are things that we know, but uh, it's, it's really well done how you've put it into words and sections. And it's even the first experiment, track your cycle on the moon. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Like, I'll get texts from my girlfriends. Now they're starting to know this is my thing. I'll get texts. I don't know what to do about this and, da, 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 and like, oh, should I do this or should I do that? And this launch and I'll, and I'll write back, where are you in your cycle? And they're like, oh shit, you're right. I'll just wait until I'm bleeding. Cause I know I'll know then. <laughs> and it's right. like, because there, it's a very predictable thing throughout the month that will have, you know, feelings Ugh. of such, such great inspiration. And we want to act on that. But then we'll have these feelings like, you know, there's usually a day a month where I hate my marriage. And it doesn't mean that my marriage is awful. My marriage is actually amazing. But I know that there will be a time each month where where what is not working will rise up to the surface to be brought to my attention. Doesn't mean it's time to leave my marriage. It means there's maybe a conversation that needs to be had. And so what what I hope for women to take away from this book is a deep trust in our nature, in the way we are made, and to know that the way we are made are, you know, our biochemistry, our hormones, our our the way our brains work, that it is there to serve us. And if we use it as our guide, we actually can really be held. I'm thinking about a lot because my, my second daughter, Ruby is 13 months old and she is just a snuggle bunny and she just loves to be on me. And if I get down on the floor, she crawls over to me immediately and just plasters herself on my body. And it's so sweet. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. And then she just, you know, she's not a particularly high strung kid, but it's like her central nervous system just just settles when she's on me and my body is home to her. And I've been thinking so much about that Mm. because if my body could be home to her, if my body could be that home to my first daughter, surely my body could be home to me. Like surely I could have that level of trust and safety because I get to live here and we all do. That is some serious wisdom right there. Wow. Because when you think about someone, listener, think about, this is your assignment. Think about, I have an assignment for each episode. Listener, think, I'm crazy. Think, think about someone with whom you have felt deeply at home where their body feels like home to you. Okay. That feeling that is the potential that you have to feel in your own body you don't actually need their body to feel this. So make a note about that feeling, describe it in as articulately colorful language as you can, and then set about feeling that about with your own body, with regards to your own being in your own skin, with your own self on your own time. That is so smart, so um, so helpful, Kate, to think about it like that. Mm. She feels like that on you. Why can't you feel like that on you? Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So it's the luteal phase, I reckon, when you when we hate our marriages. 
Yeah, it is. It's my mom describes it. I love this. She she describes it as the pool backwash system, like the pool filtering system, where it just is like filtering the detritus and it, it just brings it up to your attention so that you can then know, then you can tune in during your menstrual phase or during the new moon because both have the same energy to ask what does need to change here? Cause you'll get the, the greatest insights. Like what should I do about this? And then during the next cycle, because these are these mini cycles of death and rebirth every single month that we get to go through such opportunity every single month, if we're paying attention, death and rebirth. And, and then you can, you can go about adjusting as needed during this next cycle. So that's, you know, so what needs to die and what needs to be reborn, what needs to die, what needs to be reborn. And if we keep being in that conversation every month, then you don't get to the point or you'll get less to the point where, so there's like these mini, it's very macro and micro. So there's these mini life cycles every month, but then there's also the macro one, which is actually our life. So our life is, you know, there's maidenhood, which is the springtime. There's kind of your you know, child, like childhood, maidenhood, then there's, um, you know, the middle of your life, which is more like the summertime. And then there's your like later in life, which is the autumn around menopause. And then there's, you know, there's the wisdom years, right, which is more like the wintertime. And so, so if you think about that, like a lot of women have a lot come up around menopause. And it's like, I I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now. I haven't talked about this on one interview, but it's coming up. So I trust it. My mom talks about um, in her book, The Wisdom of Menopause, that she that like that time, perimenopause in that time is like adolescence in reverse. And so it's an opportunity for the things we didn't deal with on a monthly basis throughout our lives, throughout our reproductive years, for us really to have that bigger opportunity to deal with them. So what I'm saying is we have this great, like we can organize our productivity and our business and work tasks around our cycles, but we can also organize our awareness of our lives. And for me, I'm a total recovering control freak and I'm a, I tend toward anxiety. And I just love that my body and my emotions are predictable in this way. So I can look at the calendar and say like, oh, that's why I feel like my marriage is falling apart because I'm right here in my cycle. And in a couple of days, I'm going to bleed and I'm going to get some really great insight about what needs to shift. And it just makes me feel so calm. I don't know anything about control freak or anxiety (laughs) at all. (laughs) But what I can say is I am noticing as I get older how relaxing it is. Mm. You know, I find it very relaxing now, finally. Experiment number two, discover what really matters to you. You start with saying that if you ask most people what really matters to them, they'll tell you some combination of family, friends, faith, earth, health, service. But if most of us take an honest look at our schedules, and this is something that we address. um, I have a lot of cross-team sisters in doTERRA who address this a lot. Um, If we look at our schedules, we see that the schedule is actually not reflective of what we say matters. And so your recommendation is to reverse engineer your life based on what you're seeing on your schedule. If you see something that isn't reflective of your core values, what you gonna do about it? You're gonna take it off your schedule. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's a very um, accessible route in for the listener. You know, I recently heard Glennon Doyle speak about this exact thing and she just said it so well. So I'm just gonna quote her, even, even though this is my chapter, but I, she was like, just make a list of what matters to you and then match it up with the hours in your day And then the stuff that doesn't matter will just automatically be eliminated. Mm -hmm. And I love the way she articulated that. And so I do recommend tracking your time. So maybe set a timer so that every hour you can just write down what you were doing that past hour. And after about a week or a couple weeks of data, you really like, especially if you're not somebody who writes everything down in the calendar. I mean, I am. I I could pretty much go back through my calendar and know exactly what I was doing each day. But if you're not like that, I do recommend time tracking and then, and then really looking at like, okay, 
because we wonder, you know, at the end of a year, how come we didn't do the things that we wanted, that we said mattered or that we said we wanted to do It's because we didn't put, we didn't make time for it. I mean, it's so simple, but the only way to make time for it is to get more mindful about your schedule um, and to trust that when we let go of one thing, um, the space created will you know, will replace that and then some. And I usually mean from an income perspective. Um, you know, recently we we let a big project go and just really had to take that, like because it wasn't aligned and because it wasn't feeling good. Um, and we just sort of had to take that leap to trust that it would be replaced by something mm. even better. And, and our, our time is the same. Um, and, you know, it, it was, and so that's great, <laughs> but, but I, it's just so important to identify. And, and I, I recommend identifying even more deeply than family or the earth. Um, could you identify, could you go even deeper to say a woman I really admire, Tiffany Dufu, who wrote a great book called Drop the Ball, says her, like her life's work is and and what matters to her and these guiding principles one of them is raising conscious global citizens so could she say that her family is important to her yeah but she really got deeper down there raising conscious global citizens so so then she can make her decisions based on like well is this like versus, you know, you're thinking about summer camps for kids for example or you know whatever you can really drill down. And so that takes some work and that takes some practice and asking yourself some deeper questions. But I recommend, I recommend going deep because especially as parents, we can get so caught up in our own programming around having been raised in a culture that's all about achievement as worth. And then we can by accident vomit that onto our kids. Right. And so Instead, she wants to raise conscious global citizens. And I know for me, I really want to raise happy, healthy kids and happy into happy, healthy humans. And so it makes it way easier to make decisions about like summer plans or this school or that school. Cause it's like, well, at the end of the day, is this going to help me have a healthy, happy, healthy kid? Well, no, then maybe I'll save the 20 grand or right, whatever. Right, it is. Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually. A lot of sense. Uh, experiment number four, check your vitals is what we already went over with the 80, 20 checking all your stuff. Five is receive help. We kind of know, you know, what that's about. And, and you and I are the two of the people that were like, well, maybe. <laughs> I still, I work, I work every day on the receiving help and asking for help and like seeing the help that's already there. You know, it, it's a practice. I started talking to myself gently and relaying to myself what kind of goodness is happening when I notice that something has swung in the downward direction in my mood. I actually will, I'll put my hand on my heart and I'll say out loud if I can, or I'll whisper it if I can't. Um, okay, this is what's good. And this is what's going on. That's good. And this, and this, and this, and here you are, and you can be grateful for this. And, and it's so inane and silly and simple and almost childish, but it actually totally works. And it led me to your number six experiment, which is ask for help because it, it helped me see, oh, you know what? I could really use a little bit of assistance here in this one department. And uh, I, I actually hired an assistant. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it really is like taking inventory of our lives. And I do this on a weekly basis with my husband we sit down and we go through our week. And even though we have a shared Google calendar and we send each other Google calendar invites like total nerds, we still verbally walk through the whole thing. And that way each and every week, it's quite obvious where we need help. And, um, and then we're not caught off guard, like, oh, shit, I didn't, you know, nobody hired a babysitter or like no one's picking the kids up from daycare or where's dinner. You know, it's really, of course that happens sometimes, but more often than not, it doesn't because we've gone upstream on asking for help. And I really recommend um, some kind of weekly practice. It doesn't have to be with somebody. It can be with yourself where you walk through the week ahead of time and, and, and look out for possible landmines where you're going to need support. And then just ask up front because it's way easier to help someone when they've asked in advance. And then number seven is simplify. And it's so smart. All the ways in which you talked about it, finances all the way into family meal planning, all the things. It's just 
what I really appreciate about this book is that it is like if you just get one book this year on efficiency, this is the one because it walks through every single area. And, you know, this is coming from somebody for the listener who Kate also has a, a massive uh, network marketing business with Usana. And she was, you know, if I'm really clear about it, you were a main inspiration for me to say, okay, I'm going to dive into doTERRA. I'm going to do it. You had done it for so long. And uh, once I figured out that the company was completely in integrity and all the practices and the sourcing and the healing hands and all the, everything was lining up, you, your example served as kind of the last straw of just do it. Don't be a ridiculous. Kate I does it. That. Do it. There you go. It's true. And, and, but the, the, the seventh experiment of simplification really has helped me because it's helped me, it's helped me empower my leaders. It's helped me make sure that I'm not disempowering them by doing too much for them. Like, which is hard for me. Oh my God. Right. Because so many of us women, we are over helpers and as over helpers, we are disempowerers. Um, and that's a really important thing to notice, like the tendency to think, well, I'll just do it myself because it's easier in the long run. That actually is not the case. It, while it takes longer to set up a system or teach somebody else at first, like it, yes. Does it take longer for my daughter to uh, put her own peanut butter and jelly on a sandwich? Yes. Is there more of a mess? Yes. But in the long run, I don't have to make her sandwich anymore for her. <laughs> I'm not going to go through all of the um, experiments, but I will go through the number eight, just the identifying all the energy leakages. I forget the name of it though. Um, oh, manager energy. Well, I just can't speak enough to how important it is to notice when we're doing things or when we're spending time with people, if it's energizing or if it's draining. I mean, just this alone will revolutionize your life. And then it sounds, it's, it is simple because it is simple. It's sometimes harder said, harder done than said, stop doing the things that drain you and stop spending time with people who drain you. And start doing more of the things that energize you and spending more time with the people who energize you. And if we would just use our energy ebbs and flows as our guide, we know the truth. Our body knows the truth every time. And our body tells us through feeling energized or feeling drained. And it's really simple, but you have to get in the practice of listening for that. So literally after getting in the, when you get in the car or when you get in the subway, after having brunch with somebody, check in, energized or drained, and you'll know first first answer, best answer. That makes sense. I've I've actually made a lot of different changes with the with the energy leakages and found so many after I read Money Love Story and then refined it here with this one and have learned how to conserve a lot more. Oh, it's huge if you're traveling, if you are in, you know, if you work in an office with a lot of other people, if you are a sensitive, empathic person, which you probably are, if you're listening to Elena's show, like this is a really, really important one. And I also want to say that for those who feel super exhausted at the end of the day, and it's just like, all I can do is, is turn on Netflix and drink and drink wine or whatever it is. When we plug up our energy leaks it's really amazing how much more energy we have because we didn't even realize that like the way we're interacting with our sister, for example, is draining all of our energy and we needed that energy in our business. And now we can move ahead because we, we think of our lives as compartmentalized, but they're not everything affects everything. And so if your energy is draining mm -hmm. in one area, you don't have enough for the area you need it in. So that's why it's so, so important. I even was um, thinking about this when it comes to this project, which is the podcast. I don't have any sponsors. I don't do any sort of like record it or like a, a little blurb at the beginning or anything. It's just really straight up. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I should probably do that. I'm comparing myself to a few other people. And then I was like, wait, I always look back to this, to the energy leak. And I always think, oh, you know what? That would be an energy leak. It doesn't need to be like that. We got to a hundred thousand downloads in three yes. months. We're good. That example is do less. 
because you don't need that extra stuff to get the result you're after. So just don't do it because otherwise you're just doing it to prove something or because you're comparing yourself or just because you think that you should be busy. And the last one I'll reference, and then I'll leave the last four for the for the reader to get the book, is the sleep, um, the magic. Oh, my God. So I started finally sleeping seven hours, and it really does, as you say in one of the subtitles under this um, experiment, sleep heals everything. Like, even if you're, if you're listening to this and you're having annoying skin, sleep heals it. If you're having an annoying back pain, sleep will heal it. If you're having an annoying thought in your head and it's getting in the way of your relationship, sleep will heal it. Everything sleep heals everything. So I thank you for that because you you make some really solid suggestions there. And again, you know, it's just like a one-stop shop. You want to know more? <laughs> I can read about it in here in a really good way. So I'll leave the rest of the experiments to the reader to get your books. I think it's important that the number 10 is one of my favorites too, and I'm not going to share it, (laughs) but I will ask you the three questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, and this can be in your sphere for the sake of the learning that we do with you. I mean, that's one of the tenets, the premises of your book do less is that this isn't a book where you're sort of telling people what to do. It's a book where you're learning, you're welcoming all of us in to your learning process, which I really appreciated. And what needs healing or refinement right now in your life? That's a good question. You know, so so many things, (laughs) so many things. You always make me laugh. What was that? You always make me laugh. Well, you know, it's always a work in progress, but I will say one thing I'm really focused on is pleasure and sex and sensuality. That is an area of my life that has not been a focus as a mom of young children. And, um, and so that's like up for me right now is, is prioritizing pleasure and physical sensation. That's awesome. And smart and fun. Yeah. And beautiful. And Mike is psyched. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, What second question, what is your favorite view? My favorite view? Yes. And this can go in any direction. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, two things come to mind. One is the view from my kitchen island when I turn around from the sink and I see my husband rolling around and playing on the floor with my daughters. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. It's so good. That's it. And, and the other one is um, the view from my childhood bedroom window to my mom's backyard. She still lives in the same house. And sometimes I go over there and I just stand there. And I look at the river and I look at the trees and, you know, and I look at like where I came from. That just made me cry. <laughs> me too. Oh my, <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Mother's Day is coming up and you just put me in my bedroom window looking out on the street. Damn it. Wait for my mom's car to come. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, the third question. Let me not space that. What does prayer mean to you? Prayer. You know, to me, prayer means trust, trust that it can be good, trust that we're okay, and trust that we are held. Yeah, that's good. That's a good answer. And one I haven't received yet. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, tears in my eyes. I will always be thanking you. I hope you feel it every day when I do my little things like checking my credit card balance in the mornings and checking my bank accounts in the mornings and just all the things that I do that you taught me how to not be afraid of and not be um, hesitant about. I hope you feel that. Thank you. I do. Yeah. And um, the book is called Do Less. The site is Kate Northrup, N-O-R-T-H-R-U-P.com. And uh, Kate is a podcast 
Kate has all these different ways to work with her, including uh, membership. Um, would you like to talk about any of that stuff or should they just go to the site? Whatever you wish. Time is yours. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, if you are going to get the book, go over to katenorthup.com forward slash book, because with the book, you get some extra stuff. And one of the things that you get is a workshop on how to set boundaries and say no. And that one is really valuable. So I'll just say that. That is valuable. So katenorthup.com slash book. Yep. Noted. Okay. I love you, girl. You're a hero. I love you too. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. Thank you. Talk again soon. Mm-hmm. Bye. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.